0: Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Oh, well, welcome to Blue Ridge Church, y'all. Thanks so much for being here. My name is Matt. um, And for those of you here in person, watching online, we truly are glad that you're here with us today. And listen, if it's your first time, you don't have to worry. We're not going to make you feel weird or make you stand up and introduce yourself. We truly are glad that you just joined us today. And, uh, and before we start, I do want to say something. I really appreciate some of you who have reached out to me over the last couple weeks uh, in the light of the Buffalo Bills losing in spectacular fashion against the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, but no, I appreciate it. Some of you texted me to make sure I was still okay. Um, Doing all right. We, we're used to this in Buffalo. This is kind of how I grew up, is losing in crazy ways. For those of you who don't know, we're an NFL team, and uh, for the last 30 years, it's been pretty rough. Uh, in the 90s, we went to four Super Bowls in a row and lost all of them. It's never been done in sports history in any other sport ever, but we made it happen, all right? Six years it took us to get back to the playoffs after that, and we're winning in the first game back. And we scored a touchdown with eight seconds left in the game. And so we kicked the ball off, and they run it back for a touchdown to win. Right? That was like our Doug Flutie, like, we're going to the Super Bowl. Done. Okay? 17 years it took for us to get back to the playoffs. And then something happens in the last couple of weeks where we're up, score a touchdown with 13 seconds left in the game, and somehow still manage To lose. Okay, we're used to it. This is how we grew up. It's kind of depressing in Buffalo. The sun doesn't shine in that part of the country, but um, I'm all right, I promise. I actually had a guy come up at the first service and he was asking me about the bill stuff, and I was like, yeah, and just kind of told him everything I just said to you guys. And he goes, he's an older guy, and he's like, well, thank God that weed shop's open across the street for you. And I was like, you got it. I was like, I want to join your growth group. Which one are you in? (laughs) Uh, But we're doing a series on grace. We are. (laughs) Oh, man. uh... All right, let me come back down. (laughs) But we have been talking about God's grace. And last week, Scott kicked it off talking about how God's grace is personal to us. And that sometimes as Christians, we can, can feel that, you know, in the Bible, they, the Bible often makes sometimes these often like these blanket statements, right? That God's a gracious God and He pours out His grace to you and He's got a plan for your life. We're gonna talk about that in just a minute. But sometimes it's hard to understand that as a personal, on a personal level. Like, I'm sure God loves the world, but, but does he love me, right? Is God's grace is good for everyone, but is it real for me? And so sometimes we can struggle with the personality of God. That's why we call it a personal relationship with God, that God's grace is for each one of us. It's unique for each one of us. And we're going to kind of follow in that this morning because it's really important to understand that God's grace isn't just for all of us, but it's constantly being poured out into our lives. Or at least that's what it's supposed to to be like, right? Now, if you're here this morning and you're a Christian or you're watching, you've been a Christian for a while, maybe in your life, you can remember back to, if you can remember back to the time where you first became a believer, um, you'd probably say that it was really, you were really passionate about God. Right? Like you're passionate about reading the Bible, about learning, about coming to church, about joining you know, Bible studies and learning more about your faith, learning more about God, who he is. And, and over time, it kind of like tapers off, right? Like any relationship in life, in the beginning, it's kind of that honeymoon, you love that other person. Uh, not that you don't love them later in the relationship, but it gets harder, right? The challenges, it makes it, it's harder to just show up in that relationship. And sometimes that can happen with our faith too, As time goes on, we kind of feel ourselves disconnected from God and and further away from God. And that's not true, right? We know that's not true as Christians. God's not further away from us when we're, you know, feel distant, but, but it makes us feel like we are disconnected from him. And so that makes it hard to keep going right, when we don't feel like we're connected to God and we feel like we are, you know, just distant from him, you know, it's been a while since we opened up the Bible, it's been a while since we prayed, we feel distant from God, it makes it harder to keep going in life. And so when we talk about God's grace and his constant grace that he pours out to us each and every single day, it's really important for us to understand how it's supposed to work and really the way that God had designed it to make it work. And, and here's what it says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10 and 12. He says, so you've suffered for a little while. So after you've suffered for a little while, he will restore support and strengthen you. And he will place you on a firm foundation. My purpose in writing is to encourage you and assure you that what you are experiencing is truly part of God's grace for you. So stand firm in this grace. Now, when we just read that and we really don't talk about it, what it can seem like it's saying is that the problems and the discouragement and the trials that you're going through, we can read that as it's part of God's plan for your life. But that's not true. It's saying that God's grace is part of your life, that the discouragement you experience and the hardship you experience, God's grace that comes on top of that is for you. And so he says, stand firm In this grace. Now, one of the hardest things to do as a Christian is when you're going through a really hard season of your life is to believe good things about God. We can tell ourselves, He's a good God, right? We can sing the songs over in our heads. He's got blessings for me. He's more than enough. He's more than I need. But when we're going through hardships, it's really hard to truly believe that. And so sometimes what we do is we try to fake it till we make it, right? Like, He's good. Is he? Like, like, is he in your life? And so, so sometimes we can get confused as to what happens in life and why it happens. But, but what it's saying here in this, this part of the Bible is that when, when bad things do happen, which they happen to all of us, right? It's not just non Christians, it's not just people who are further away from God. The Bible says that it rains on both the just and the unjust, right? Just because we're Christians doesn't mean life gets super easy for us, right? It, it gets more purposeful, for sure, but it doesn't get easier. But what he's saying here is that when you do encounter your problems that you're going to encounter in your life, we need to turn to God's grace. We need to open up the door for God's grace to come into our lives and to wash over the hardest parts and the hardest seasons of what we go through as human beings. And so to do that, I want you to write this down or fill this in for learning number one if you're taking notes. It says this, I have a purpose for living that goes beyond my problems. To truly understand God's grace, his continual grace in our lives, we need to understand that that there's more to life than the problems that we go through. And like we just talked about in the series we came out of about our past, one of the hardest things for us to do is to not identify ourselves with the things that have happened to us in our past. Right? Like a lot of times we think we are a culmination of the things that have happened or the things we've done in our past, and that's our identity. But what we learned is that that's not true, that God's got an identity for us that's different and that's fresh, that is, that is different than what we think we are, that God cherishes us and He loves us and He cares for us, even in the midst of those difficulties. But so as we start to learn about that purpose, and start to understand that there's more to life than just this, then what the Scripture is saying here is that the problems and the tribulations and trials you face begin to get a little bit smaller and smaller each and every day. Not that they're not a problem, not that it's not going to hurt, but that when you look at that situation, or maybe it's a season in your life, and you just step back a minute, and you look back at the whole story, this is saying there's more to it than just the hardships. There's more to Your life than just the difficulties. And so what we're introduced to in the Bible is this this idea to living into God's purpose for our lives, of understanding what it is of what God wants for us in our lives and the plans he has for us, and then living into it. Now, we complicate this so much like think about like trying to figure out the purpose for your life. Right? So we we like I said, we kind of d- d- we make determinations of the decisions I make, that's my purpose, right? Of the things I do, the job I have, the, the the titles I have in my life. But really, when you look at the Bible, the purpose, the main purpose that each one of us has is to be in a relationship with God. Right? It's as simple as can be, it's the most basic. There's a lot you can build on top of that with, but at its very core, the purpose of each one of our lives is to be in a relationship with God. We were created to be in a relationship with him, okay? And so when we live the way God's called us to, which we often talk about up here, things start, not not easier, but things start to make more sense, right? Things start to make a little bit more sense of why they happen to us and what goes on in our lives, but really it comes back to understanding and knowing what is the purpose, what am I here for? What is the purpose for, for me, a personal purpose in my life? And then to take that purpose and let it overshadow everything that happens to you as you go throughout your life. I think these are the two clearest ways we can see this like playing out in our lives. The first one is in God's grace where he gives us the ability to fight against the temptations in our lives. And then the other one is when God's grace gives us the ability to keep going when life gets really hard. When we feel like we're going to give up. When we feel like we just want to go away and we feel like we just want it to end right now. Whether that's your life, your marriage, your job you know, whatever that might be, it's God's grace comes in and gives us the ability to keep going, to not give up, to not give in to the hardships. Like when you think about temptations and you think about the things that we deal with on a daily basis, temptations are a real deal, right? Like it's a struggle for a lot of us to, to be tempted. And and temptation isn't a bad thing in itself, right? Jesus was tempted. Um, the problem is when we take that temptation seriously, and we we cross the line into sin, right? And so it's not necessarily that temptation is bad. We're all going to face temptation. It's living our lives in a way where we're making habits to where we don't give into the things we're tempted to do. Here's what the Bible says in in Matthew chapter 26. This is Jesus. He says, keep watch and pray so that you will not give into temptation for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. He's saying, this is going to be a journey for us you are going to be tempted at every moment of your life. in in moments where you had no idea it's something that you wanted, you're going to be tempted all throughout your life. And, and to use God's grace is to use it in a way that, that it helps us to fight against those temptations. Here's what it says in James chapter 4, verse 7. It says, so humble yourself before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So we get this clear indication that temptations are a problem. And a temptation is anything that, I mean, think back to the very first temptation in the Bible, Adam and Eve, right? What did Satan say to Eve? He's like, if you eat from this this fruit, this tree, then you will have something that you didn't have before. Like, like he kind of spins it as God's holding out on you that that you're not as complete as you could be if you had, what, the knowledge of good and evil, right? That's kind of the the promise that that Satan makes with her. And so she gets convinced, like, oh, well, I need this. This is going to make my life better. This is going to fulfill me. This is going to satisfy me in my life. And we all know how that story ended. It, it didn't. She messed up. She made a mistake. Adam followed her in his footsteps as a good husband, right? But, but that's temptation for us, right? It's, it's the promise that something is better than what God has to offer. Could be anything. Could be anything in your life that is a promise that, that if you do this, If you you go to this place, if you do this action, if you participate in whatever this is, then your life will be better. But that's simply not the truth. Learning number two says this, God's grace shows us that sin cannot fulfill the promises that it makes. If there's anything we can say about sin, we've all experienced it, every single one of us, it never fulfills the promises that it makes to us. And so as we go throughout our lives, if you're a Christian here, you'll go throughout your life understanding, you can call it the devil, you can call it Satan, whatever you, if you're not a Christian here, let's find some common ground. You can call it evil forces or Tom Brady, right? (laughs) Something evil trying to get you to do something that God doesn't want you to do. Right? Whether that's because someone said you can't have it or you can't do it uh, or because the Bible says you're not supposed to do it. For some reason, all throughout our lives, there is, there is this pulling at each one of us to do that thing or to, to say this or to act like this or to believe this. And so we've got to figure out how we defend ourselves against that temptation to not fall into the trap of that sin. And the Bible teaches us it's God's grace. God's grace gives us the ability and gives us the strength to say no, to stop sinning. Not forever, right? None of us are ever going to stop sinning for the rest of our lives until we, you know, until we meet God face to face. But it's the, the habit of your life to resist the temptations that you face in your life. Jesus alludes to it by giving an illustration about food. He says this in John chapter 6, verse 35. He says, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And so he gives this illustration about food and about our appetite. And and what he's basically pointing out is the reality we all know is that uh, there's certain foods that tempt us. (laughs) right? Like, like, we're tempted by food all day. Maybe it's the culture we live in, it's the, you know, whatever. Uh, we're always tempted by food, by tastes, by, you know, whatever that might be. Uh, and it's usually the bad stuff. We're never tempted by good food, are we? Like, I don't care what diet you're on, how much CrossFit you do, you are not tempted to eat a bowl of vegetables, okay? <laughs> like, it's the Oreos, it's the sugary stuff, it's the chai, it's the ice cream, it's the sweets, the fried food. That's what we crave. That's what we want, and every time we crave those things and indulge in those things, it almost always ends the exact same way. We feel terrible about ourselves. Right? We feel just we feel sick to our stomachs. It's like, why did I do that? Why did I eat that again? Why did I I broke the, you know, maybe you're fasting or maybe you're on a diet. Like why why would I give in to that? And and it's kind of the cycle that happens all throughout our lives. Like just even last week, I I sat down and ate a half a tub of, of cookie dough. It was like, this is like magical, amazing. And then about halfway through, I was like, oh, dear God, I will never eat that again. Like that was like, I felt so sick to my stomach um, and I was like, I'll never eat this again. And within two days, I ate the rest of that tub. <laughs> um, but, but that's how it is, right? That's how it is with food. That's how it is with sin in our lives. Same way, right? We'll tell ourselves, never going to do that again. Never going to do that again. It felt terrible when I did it last time. Never going to do this again. And within a day or two, we find ourselves back at the exact same spot. So Jesus gives us this illustration, and he says, it's like food that you're eating. And here's the truth about bad food, of one of the reasons why it's considered bad food for us is because not only is it nutritionally terrible for us, but it doesn't actually fill us up. So you can go eat a bunch of junk food and feel full, but that's just you feeling sick because you ate a bunch of junk food. (laughs) That doesn't actually satisfy you. That's why within 30 minutes of eating at a fast food restaurant, you feel hungry again. <laughs> because y- you want that fulfillment. And-, and what you ate didn't get you there. Like, have you ever done this? Have you ever been at your house and you, op- you go to your fridge because you're hungry and you open it up and you just kind of stand there and look? And then you close it and you're like, well, nothing there. And then within like a couple minutes, you're back at the fridge and you're just like, Huh. And eventually you grab something that you didn't even want in the first place. <laughs> see, that's what I think Jesus is saying about sin is sometimes it's like going to the fridge over and over again and looking for something that's going to satisfy, but not able to find it. So eventually what we do is we just settle for, for whatever we see. And oftentimes whatever is in front of us are the things that God has laid out in the scripture of not to do. We call them sins and it's called disobedience. And so the struggle that we have as we go throughout our lives is to find the foods that will fill us up. That's why Jesus says that whoever comes to me will never be hungry again, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty again. In other words, I have something I can give to you that will satisfy you like nothing else can. You believe that all that other stuff is going to fill you up, and so that's why you run to that stuff each and every single day. But this is the only true thing that, that you can receive that will fully and completely satisfy you in your life. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says, The temptations in your life are no different than what others experience, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Probably one of the most famous Bible verses that we know is that he will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. And sometimes we don't read the second part of that. It says, when you are tempted, he will show you a way out. That no matter what temptation we face, God's grace always shows us a way out, a better way. Even though it might not seem better at the time, God's grace will always give us a way out. But then that last verse, the last part of that verse is really important. He says, so that you can endure, right? So the purpose of you resisting the temptation is so that you can endure. So not only is God's grace useful to resist the temptations that we face in our lives, but God's grace is useful because it helps us and gives us the strength to keep going, which is learning number three. God's grace gives us the endurance to keep going. One of the the greatest characteristics you can have in your life is the drive to keep going when you just want to give up and give in. You can think about that in the context of your marriage, your relationship. You can think about that in, in the context of your job, of your finances. I mean, you can look at all throughout the Bible. You see stories of men and women who couldn't get pregnant who couldn't get to what to do what God wanted them to do, or couldn't find what they were supposed to find and go where they were supposed to go, and they were tempted to give up? Like think about Paul. I mean, if you ever read through a story in the in the New Testament, go go start reading about Paul. The dude was beaten he was mocked, he was driven out of cities, he was arrested, uh, he tried to get somewhere in, in, on a boat, and it just, this huge storm came out of nowhere and, and shipwrecked them, and, and then he had issues with some of the people he was with, and they kind of broke up in one separate ways, and he had every reason in the book to give up, but he chose to press on, and he chose to keep going, and he did it because of God's grace. Here's what it says in Galatians chapter six, verse nine. He says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. For at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessings if we don't give up. He's saying, you just got to keep going. The key, when life is really difficult for you and when you want to give up, you just got to keep going. You can't stop. You can't turn back. You can't quit. You've got to keep going Your relationship, keep fighting for it. Your job, keep trying to get along with those people. Your kids, a little bit of patience. The key is always to keep going. Uh, This past week, Um, Comcast came out to our house in our neighborhood and was digging lines throughout the whole neighborhood. Okay, now I don't know if you've ever experienced this at having a house, but these people come onto your property and they are like digging holes everywhere. Like they're just like like there's dirt everywhere, there's mud everywhere, there's you know just um, it's a mess. And and let me just give you a little bit into my life. I'm like a nerd about my lawn. Like I love. My, I love taking care of my lawn all summer long, spring, fall, like I get ready. Like I want to dominate my neighbors when it comes to their lawn, okay? Like I want to have the greenest, those stripes in there. I want to be able to look down at the property line of my house and see like my luscious green grass on this side and then like burned yellow on that side. Like, <laughs> like that's what I live for. I'm just, I don't know what it is about. I just love taking care of a lawn, and so when these guys are coming to our house, and they're digging up all of my hard work, making a mess of all of the stuff that I've worked so hard for to get my lawn where I wanted to get, it was just like making me sick inside. Some of you are like, this is the worst problem to have as a human being, but you haven't. But listen, this was, this was a real deal for me. And so like, I'm kind of like, this is terrible. My office is right in the front of the house, so you know, I'm looking out at the window and watching them destroy my work. And, uh, and so I was like, all right, just got to just gotta forget about it. And so as they kept going, um, you know, they started putting it back together of what they say was how they found it originally. <laughs> um, so they dumped the dirt back in the holes and they tried to preserve the top layer of the grass so it didn't look like it was just dug up. And, and so I went out there and was like, okay, like they did a number, but it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Now, the reason why I tell you this story, and I swear there's a purpose to it is because sometimes in our lives, things that we really care about can get really messy. And it can look like those things are being destroyed. That all the work that you've put into whatever that might be, again, let's use those same examples, your relationship, your job, your career, your family, your school, your education, all that hard work sometimes can feel like it's being ripped out in front of you. But if you just wait and just keep going, most of the time it gets better. It doesn't mean it hurts less. It doesn't mean it doesn't impact your life as much, especially if it's something that's really important to you, not alone. But the key is to keep going. Because oftentimes what happens is when our scenario changes, so does our perspective. And so we might be looking at a mess in front of us that we've got to deal with or we've got to go through But as we continue to go through that, what we realize is it's not always as bad as I thought it was going to be. I'm not always going to be unhappy. I'm not always going to be regretful. I'm not always going to be resentful of this person or this situation if you just keep going. Joshua chapter 1 verse 9 says, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord is with you wherever you go right? God's presence is with us wherever we go. So it's, if it's good, God's with us. If it's bad, God's with us. If our life looks like a mess, God is with us. If our life looks like we've got everything put together, He's with us. He's with us wherever we grow, God, go. God's grace is accessible to us at all times. Romans chapter 8 verse 26 says, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. In the moments where we, we feel like we've got nothing else to give, in the times where we feel like we have no more strength to keep going, God's grace gives us the ability to keep going, to not giving up. Even if it's slowing you down, it's okay. You've got to keep going. Philippians chapter 3, verse 14 says it this way. And this is Paul. What he does is he gives us this illustration all throughout his writings about running a race. And he says, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. And so when you read through the book of Philippians and Corinthians and some of these other books, you'll see Paul, this, this writer, he often uses this terminology uh, that, that he's racing. He's in a race with other people. And, and so he uses that to describe the life that we all have, that it's that's like a race, it's a marathon. Where we, start, we have a starting line, there's a finishing line, and we've just got to get to where that ending is. And so he says all these different things. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he says this about it. He says, so run the race to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. Now, this is really interesting because when, when Paul's saying this, what he's doing is he's trying to get us to focus on something in order to keep going. At the end here, he says, we do it for an eternal prize. So what Paul's saying is that if we want to make it, if we wanna get through the hardships and difficulties in our lives, then we need to focus on the prize. We need to focus on this eternal prize. And it's learning number four, God's constant grace reminds us to keep our eyes on the reward. To keep our eyes on the reward in front of us. The Bible talks a lot about the rewards we have of making it, of persevering, of enduring to the end. I don't know if you've ever heard this story before, but it's the story about a, um, a farmer and a donkey. And how it goes is this donkey is just kind of walking around the yard and he fall, this donkey falls into an old well, an abandoned well. It didn't have water in it anymore, but it was just a big hole in the ground and it wasn't covered up. And so this donkey falls into the well and he can't get out. And so the farmer sees it and he goes up to this donkey and he's just like, I don't know what I'm going to do about this. And so he calls his buddies and he's like, we've got to get this donkey out. Like, he's older, but, I mean, we need to. And so they, you know, try to come up with different things with a rope, a pulley system, a ladder. Nothing they're doing is is working. And so they finally decide, which was custom in that culture, was just, just fill it up with dirt. Like, to spare this donkey of, you know, days, uh, maybe weeks of, you know, the end of its life, let's just... Cover it up with dirt and end it for this this creature quickly, and so the the farmers they all grab their shovels and they start dumping the dirt into this well, and uh, and they're just like I can't even look at it, like I can't watch it, like it's heartbreaking. So they're just they're dumping it in there and they're they're just looking away, and so the farmer he's like, let me just look down, and he looks down and he he sees the donkey and he's like, it kind of looks a little closer than it was before, but that's probably just my mind. So he gets the shovel and keeps dumping more and more in. And after a couple minutes, they all look in and, and he's like, no, it is getting closer to me. And so what they realized was, is this donkey, as the, the, the dirt had been being dumped on this donkey's back, he, instead of letting it bury him, was just shaking it off and taking a step and making new ground for, for him to eventually get out of where he was. And, and the donkey, as he was looking up and looking at that, that circle of light that he could see, he kept his eyes up and just shook off the dirt and took a step up shook off the dirt, and took a step forward. And he kept going and going and going until eventually he got to the top and could walk out of that well. And, and as I was thinking about that story this past week, I thought about how true it is that each one of us sort of lives in a well. That we all have what well, we call it life, <laughs> but we all at some point feel like we're trapped and we can't get out. And there's moments where we just want that dirt that's hitting us in the back to just cover us up and let that be it. And we want to quit. And we just want to give in to the pressure, give in to the hardship or whatever that is in front of us and just let it be done. But what we learn is that God's grace gives us the ability to keep going. And he does that by getting us to set our eyes on the prize, to set our eyes on the reward that he has for us if we just keep going this past week I think it was on Wednesday I was taking one of my kids to school and if you know anything about my 5 year old he Wyatt he is like full of questions Okay, my wife will tell you this. This kid is constantly asking questions. Why this? What if that? What happens if this? And, and I love it. You know, I never discourage him. I think the best way to grow in, in your own life is to ask questions, whether that's as a kid, whether that's about faith, things you don't understand. Ask the question. Try to figure it out. And so I never discourage him from asking questions. But sometimes it can get pretty overwhelming <laughs> of just the constant like barrage, of, or barrage of, um, of questions. And so we're driving to school, and he says, <clears throat> um, Daddy, so... Papa is your dad and you're my dad and then he starts going into this whole thing and he's like, will I be a dad one day? And I was like maybe, like if, if, if you're able to have kids and you find someone you know, maybe and he's like, when? I was like, hopefully not soon <laughs> uh, but me and your mommy had kids when we were in our late 20s and early 30s so maybe then <laughs> and so he's like, oh so will my kids have kids? Maybe. <laughs> will their kids have kids? And he kept going on and on and on. And so he goes, so it just keeps going? And I was like, yeah, I mean, kind of. It, sometimes. And he goes, why? And in trying to figure out what to say to him as a five-year-old is kind of hard without getting, like, really philosophical or even getting into, like, theology. And as though I was driving him to school, I was just like, I don't know. <laughs> it just keeps going. Because here's the deal. Sometimes, doesn't it feel like when you're going through your life, you ask that same question, why? Like, when you're going through a hard time, like, you're just supposed to keep going, what, to get to the end? And then sometimes people say, well, if you've got kids, it's so you can pour your life into your children and, and give them everything and, and make sure they can grow up to be, you know, strong men, strong women who are grounded in their faith or are grounded in their, who they are in their identity. And then you got to think about it, like, but why? So that they can do it for their children and they can do it for their children and, and their children. Like, like sometimes you go throughout your life and you're just like, what am I doing? Why, am I, why do I keep going? Why do I try so hard? Why do I put so much effort into this life if it just doesn't seem like it's going the way I want it? And the message we get from God is because there's a reward at the end that surpasses anything that we'll experience. He calls it an eternal reward. Our purpose is to be in a relationship with God. Our race is to get to the end of our lives and receive that reward that God has for us. We've just got to keep going. We've got to let the noise be noise. We've got to let the discouraging people in our lives take a back seat and and put our heads down and keep going to shake off the dirt and take a step up. Shake off the dirt, take a step forward, not giving up, using God's grace to get us to where he wants us to be. And that's the end of our race where we get the final reward. Before the apostle Paul was killed, he knew he was going to die. He was waiting to be executed, and so what he did is he started at, or writing all these letters to his closest friends and churches that he had planted and relationships he had of sort of like his goodbye to these people and the final charge for them and their lives. And, and here's what he says to his friend Timothy, who was probably his closest friend who was going to take the mantle of, you know, the, you know, starting churches and preaching the ways that Paul had done. And so here's what he writes to Timothy right before he's killed. He says, as for me, My life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight and I have finished the race and I've remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. So this guy, he gets to the end of his life And he tells Timothy, and he tells us, I ran my race. I had all the opportunities and the reasons to give up as I went throughout my life. You know, he he died a single man, never ended up having a wife, never ended up having kids. He could have given up because that stuff didn't work out. He had his plans flipped upside down, what it seems like is every other page in the Bible, but he kept going. He kept going, he kept fighting, he kept running, he kept the prize in his mind of, "This is where I need to get to. God's got this waiting for me. I can't give up." And so he got to the end of his life, and he says, "I poured out my life. I did it. I finished the race, and my race is about to be over, and I'm about to get the reward that God promised me. Each one of us has a race that we're running. Some of us were slow. <laughs> Others, you're like you're sprinting through it, and so life is good for you sometimes, and then you get exhausted and you're like, what the heck happened? But we all have a race that we're running, and we need to, to, on that race, to use God's grace to fight against the temptation that pulls us away from that eternal reward, and also use it to get through the hardest moments of our lives when we feel like giving up. Instead, like the scripture says, we need to endure and get to the end. Let's pray. God, I know that there's many of us here, we're probably all in a lot of different areas in our lives. Some of us young, others old. Some experienced, others are new. And, and that goes for everything, faith, life, jobs, relationships. And so we're all in different spots. But one good thing that we get from you, God, one of the good things is your constant grace. That even though our lives change all the time, we win, we lose, we lose, your grace never stops. When we feel like you're non-existent, when we feel like you're uninterested, it's not that. You're still with us. You're still offering us that grace and that love. God, help us to focus on our purpose. Help us to understand that at the end of the day, our purpose is to be in a relationship with you. No matter what our past looks like, no matter what or even our future looks like, your desire for each one of us is to be in a relationship with you. God, help us to not let anything else get in the way of that. Help us to not become distracted by the busy world around us, to be distracted by money, whether that's having a lot of money or not a lot of money. Let us not be distracted by the relationships we have, even the good ones, but God, let us focus on you because you've got a reward for us when we get to that end of the race. The eternal reward where we get to be with you forever. God, we love you for what you've done. We love you for what you're doing. And we love you for what you're going to do. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, hey, y'all, thanks so much for being here. As always, we really do appreciate everything you do for us and uh, being a part of this community. If you want to fill out that connection card, please do that. There's a lot of things on there that you could check. Maybe if you need a prayer Uh, we've got a prayer team ready to pray for you. Uh, Maybe you just want to serve or do something at the church to use the gifts you've got. I would encourage you to check that out. Uh, One big thing today, we've got groups starting today or group signups starting today. And so we've got the most groups now, as of last night, we've got the most groups we've had here in like three years. So there is something for everybody. And so I want to encourage you at some point over the next two weeks, because that's how long group signups are going to go, is to to check some of those things out. We've got a women's retreat. We've got golf groups. We've got fishing groups. We've got Bible studies. We've got groups where people just hang out. We've got groups where people serve other people and, and do things for people when they're in need. And so Check those things out and really see if you can find a place to plug into at Blue Ridge. We'd love to have you do that. Um, I hope you have a great rest of your week and that you join us next Sunday. Thank you.